Hello again, everybody. Cool Button Uncensored Hockey Podcast is back underway. We hope you're well and safe wherever you are. Episode 28, as we say hello to Craig Button, who had a great family dinner on Monday, celebrating his 39th birthday. How are you, my friend? Looking good, looking good. Thank you. I I feel really good. It's also my, my wife's birthday is after my birthday. So it was kind of a, a, it's always a dual celebration, but you know, this year was a little bit uh, different because usually we celebrate it after the world junior tournament. We actually got to celebrate it on my birthday. Yeah. Now we've got the Olympics coming up. Is the lovely Kara going overseas or she's going overseas. She's going overseas. I tell you, (laughs) she's not staying home. She's going overseas. So when does she leave? Uh, they're taking a charter out of the, uh, out of Vancouver, I believe on the 26th of January. So, you know, though she'll be there for a month and you know, it's, it, it, they're really in prep mode now in full prep mode, like making sure the testing is, uh, underway now they're, they're like to me, well, they're, what they're trying to do is, is get ahead of it. And because of the isolation and quarantine requirements, you know, the, it, it, let's just say she, she, she tested positive, right? it would be fine because she has five days. So on January 6th, you know, there's no problem. They just want to, they want to try to make sure that everybody can get on that plane and, uh, and, and get over to Beijing and, and be ready for the Olympics. There's a lot of work and there's a lot of uncertainty uh, with the Omicron, but you know, it seems like uh, full throttle ahead with the uh, winter Olympics. Will Canadian and American hockey fans watch men's hockey at the Olympics Will the intrigue of a Owen Power and Mason McTavish change anything? In Buffalo and Anaheim, you know, it's just, it's not as, Steve, it's simply put, it's not as compelling. That's the, that's not a criticism of the players going. It's not a compelling. If you're a Buffalo Sabres fan, you want to watch Owen Power. If you're an Anaheim Ducks fan, you want to watch Mason McTavish. But it's not captivating for the nation because the Olympics is about the best, best athletes and the best hockey players aren't there. Simply put, I have a question for you though. Philosophical question. I I was having coffee this morning and I was thinking about this. Remember 06? You remember who was not on Canada's Olympic team? Yep. And I and I've got the quotes. Yeah. From from I got can I say the quote? Yeah. Yeah. Steve, you have to understand. Okay. He would have been a deer in the headlights. Never is he a deer in the headlights. And the bottom line was, and Ovechkin was there. I remember what Pronger told me, Chris Pronger told me, at the Olympics in Torino. He said, Ovechkin can go around you, through you, or over you. That was Chris Pronger, top defenseman in the, in the league at that time. And now you're talking about a, a player that had played uh, half a season in the NHL. I was Pronger talking about Ovechkin. Who was going to be the deer in the headlights? If you're playing against, so like, you know, Chris Pronger said that. Anyway, End of the day, all I know is this. If I got to hear about experience, just get your most talented players there. Get your most talented players to, to the Olympics. I'm not saying they all have to be young, but Cole Perfetti, Mason McTavish, Owen Power, Caden Gooley, they're four players that are on Canada's junior team. I don't care who's playing in Europe. These guys are all better and more talented. Just put them on the team. There's my rant for the morning. Yeah, and that <laughs> – player who was supposed to be deer in the headlights was Sidney Crosby, by the way, who finished that year with 102 points, <laughs> sort of bombed and had trouble scoring. Ooh. That was, uh, you know, you can't win every tournament, but they played well. They 
couldn't finish a few Swiss goalies uh, got to them. Uh, they weren't Swiss cheese in that tournament. So speaking of great young players, had we been going to China, Kale McCarr clearly would be there. So A, the goal. B, where does he rank right now among his peers? And C, where is his ceiling? A, <laughs> B, C. I love that wasn't a joke. Question. That wasn't a joke. I, that I was know. a serious, <laughs> serious intro. I thought it was a brilliant Bob Costas intro. A, B, and C, Mr. Button. See, I don't know why you have to defer to Bob Costas. It was a brilliant Steve Coolius intro, like question. Like, saw so, Beg, so, borrow, and steal. Beg, <laughs> borrow, and steal. <laughs> hey, we all beg, borrow, and steal. Uh, I was chuckling about the ceiling because, you know, with the draft, what's his ceiling? What's his ceiling? You know, everybody wants to know what the ceiling is, right? Okay. I don't know. I'm going to start using like, like, you know, historic ceilings. I'm going to say his ceiling is like the Sistine Chapel. <laughs> like That's nice. <laughs> yeah, oh, wow. Hey, listen, we can start talking things like that. Okay. So uh, where does, uh, where does his goal rank? His goal ranks fourth this year in the NHL. Okay. Fourth we'll get into that in a moment. Okay. Oh we're going to argue. We're going to argue. <laughs> you got it fourth. Okay. You're wrong, but that's fourth. <laughs> A and <laughs> okay, fourth. Okay, where does he rank in the league? Well, I mean, he was runner up for the Norris Trophy last year, right? So, I mean, he, he's a dynamic defenseman. He's going to be in the Norris Trophy conversation for the next dozen years, maybe longer, because he's that good. He's that dynamic. He controls the game in so many different ways. I mean, wh what are you looking at? You're looking at Hedman, you're looking at Fox. You're looking at Makar. I mean, Haskinen isn't quite in that category right now. John Carlson's been a really good player. You know, Petrangelo is probably a notch down. So I would say the the holy trinity of, of defensemen is Hedman, Makar, and, and Fox. That, that, that That's how I see it playing out. So Yossi's uh, there offensively, not as much defensively. You know, I was crunching numbers as, you know, we've been learning more and more about underlying numbers and, I don't know if we've ever had an underlying numbers conversation. I know we've talked about Mike Kelly and sports logic numbers. And I think you like those more that, you know, Aaron Ekblad's numbers are really, really good right now. His foot speed might not be the same. Uh, surprisingly, I think to the eye test, Adam Fox's defensive numbers aren't now. I don't know what that means. Maybe it's the Rangers style of play. Statistically, the Rangers actually are playing better on paper than they are in what the numbers would indicate. I, I, I don't know if that means anything or not. I'm not saying they're Patrick Waz, Colorado Avalanche of a few years ago. But anyway, it seems to me that Hedman right now, when you put guys side by side, you know, a uh, natural stat trick, and then the eye test, like last year, Hedman did play hurt and it did affect his game. Like he was not 100%, but I, I love Hedman not at 100% to do what he did in the regular season without Kucherov. And who won the cup again? And, and who won the constant and who did amazing things. So when you look at those types of things, you say to yourself, oh, you know, you got to battle through a, you know, a whole bunch of injuries and everything else. Now, Kale McCarr maybe is a notch below right now defensively, but when you got a guy that can score 30 goals and be over a point a game, I thought had McCarr played as many games as Fox, he probably would have won the Norris last year. I don't know where you are on that, Craig. You're a voter, right? You're a yes, voter. I so I, yeah, you know, and, 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 Kale's missed games in his career. I think if he had 56 or 55 or 50, I'm just guessing I think he would have won because the season was so good last year. Yeah, well, I mean, he had a fantastic season, but so did Adam Fox and so did Victor Hedman. So, so let me go back. I talked about the Holy Trinity of, of defensemen, right? 
I think Hedman's the best defenseman in the league. That doesn't mean he had the best year last year, but I think he's the best defenseman in the league. Just like Nick Lidstrom was the best defenseman in the league. He might not have won the Norris trophy every year, which is, yeah. you know, an award given to the defenseman deemed to have the bed to be the best player that year, but the best defenseman is Victor Hedman in my view, but McCarr's there, you know, there's a, like, wouldn't it be nice if every player was just the same, right? Wouldn't it be nice if every single player was the same and it was just a straight line? Okay. What does he do? Well, what does he do? Well, and okay. Hedman's different than Fox. Who's different than McCarr and they're all different, right? All I know is they impact the game. They impact the game in a significant way. And yeah, you can look at different areas of the game and say, okay, he's a little bit better there. And he's a little bit better there. And we talk about underlying numbers, you know, there's, there's, what you're trying to do is be all encompassing. You're not trying to just say, oh, they're not good because the underlying numbers aren't good. Wait a sec. The record says they're this. Okay. I understand what the underlying numbers. So now you, you work at that to try to improve. Okay. Where can we be better so we can maintain this? Because this could be a feature in our, in our game. That's how you look at underlying numbers. That's how I look at them, right? You look at it as improvement. You look at it as, okay, we have to, uh, we have to improve in that area. Earthquake, seismology, like, you know, when you look at seismic activity, right? What you're trying to do is you, you want to find where the fault lines are and you want to try to protect it. You want to try to improve it. You want to try to, like, in case there's an earthquake, you want to improve your response time. Same thing with data in, 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 in sports. Okay, that says here, can we work on that? Can we work with that player to be better in that regard? The fault lines, that's what I'm trying to do. So at the end of the day, at the end of the day, Steve, you know, there's, there's lots of ways to look at it. And what you're trying to do is just put the whole picture together. But a car, is a, a car is a dynamic, like electrifying impact player. What's his ceiling? I'm not so sure what his ceiling is. All I know is let's just sit back and enjoy it. <laughs> well, there's some McDavid on the back end. I like the yeah. quote from someone that said he's Kemal Carr is a right-handed McDavid from the back end. We could argue there's a right-handed Paul Coffey to him. And I love the humbleness and everything else. He says he got lucky. It was a great move. I, I loved it. So my rank, which is going to be different than everyone else's, is four is the Zegras flip. Three is the Forsberg to himself flip. The double hit as he beat Petrangelo and scored on the backhand. Two is Kale McCarr on the Blackhawks in Flurry. And one is McDavid going through the entire New York Rangers and scoring for my own different reasons. I've got McDavid, McCarr, Mr. Forsberg, and the Zegras flip, my friend. And you are folding your arms in either disbelief or <laughs> anger. <laughs> it's not anger. Number one for me, I was there. Yeah. I was in the building, in the building. Okay. McDavid versus the Winnipeg Jets. Five minutes left in the game. The Jets had done a masterful job of checking McDavid that night. And McDavid identified what they were doing. And at center ice, when he made his cut, you went, uh-oh. And he recognized what he did. Number two was the Rangers uh, being victims of Connor McDavid. So, that, so that's one, two. Number three is Trevor Zegers. Number three, like that, to me, the, the, the – you know, you look at what he did and the way he did it, unbelievable. Number four is McCarr, number five is Forsberg. Keep in mind, a lot more ice at three on three and overtime out there. McDavid did his at five on five. So did Zegris from behind the net. 
I keep everything in mind. What do you think I do? Oh, I didn't keep that in mind. I keep it in mind. Well, and it's for- a reminder, Steve. It's a reminder. I always want your ceiling to be high. I don't want your ceiling to be lowered. My ceiling is the Sistine Chapel, <laughs> just like you said. So uh, the way I look at it too is Forsberg will, do it again. Forsberg will do it again. McCarr will do it again. McDavid will do it again. People will know Zegras. Like it was, it was more of the, the surprise element right? It was the surprise element. And I still think doing the Michigan is still harder than what happened there myself. Cause you got to take it. You got to keep it. You got to bring it around. You got to score. Um, and you know what? That's what sports is. We have our own ranks. You know what I mean? Who do you like better as the greatest goalie of all time? I'm a Sawchuk guy. Who's the best player. Are you a Gretzky or, or how or Richard and everything else. And that's what makes it fun. And you know what else is fun? Winning. Winning is fun. You know what's not fun? Losing. As we sit here at press time, the Oilers are have been losing a lot. Two, nine, and two. Mr. Button, I ask you, having gone through it before, <laughs> what's Ken Holland thinking about right now? So, you know, it's a tough job being a broadcaster. It's tougher being a coach, maybe tougher being a general manager. So I'm not advocating for anything. I wasn't asking for Travis Green or, 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 or Dave Tibbet a change to be made. But if I really feel it, I have to say it because that's what my boss wants. That's what the fans want. So uh, in the Travis Green situation, it looked like it was over. Just it felt like it was over. I don't think I'm there yet with the Oilers. I thought they played a very good game without McDavid defensively, like more Tippett, Dave Tippett, Arizona type hockey, but they still lost. And let's be honest, the goaltending for the most part of the season hasn't been good. And your offense can't save you all the time. So I'm not ready to go there yet. What would you as a manager, what's Ken Holland thinking about right now? Because missing the playoffs is an unmitigated disaster. Okay. They got to make it. What are they thinking about on this day? I only know this, Steve. I, I have, I, I, I don't, I can't jump into their heads and tell you what they are thinking. I, I can tell you what they should be thinking. Okay. And what Ken Holland should be thinking is, how the hell do I improve my goaltending? Because the goaltending subpar. It's bottom of the league, Steve. It's bottom of the league. And when you got bottom of the league goaltending, you're not going anywhere. You're not going to, you're on a hope and a prayer. That's all you're, that's the only place you're at. The first goal against Toronto. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, Miko Koskinen, Miko Koskinen says, well, I'm not getting goal support and everything. I can't score. Well, Mike Smith says I can score on my own net. Kicks the puck in off the backboard. First goal again, first goal against whatever the number is, 24 out of 34 games, and a terrible goal. And he, he bobbled the puck. There, there's no certainty in Mike Smith's game. There's no certainty in Miko Koskinen's game. That's what you want to continue to watch? You wake up in the morning and go, what am I getting tonight? Oh, my God, what, what will he do tonight? Oh, my God, what will he do on the next shot? There's only one thing Ken Holland should be doing, thinking about improving the goaltending. I don't know what he's thinking, but that's the only thing he should be thinking about because they're going nowhere with that goaltending. Nowhere. It's it. You know what it is? It's quicksand. You're in it. Find a way to get out of it. And I don't want to hear how hard it is to make a trade. I don't want to hear that's the manager's job. Find a way to fix the problem. And the problem is significant and nothing's going to change with that team until the goaltending gets better. End of rant. End of story. Well, let's help him. Okay. 
Jonathan. Well, I Quick. read some report that Anton Hudobin would be a good replacement. Has anybody watched Anton who don't stop the puck? Hudobin? Like, like seriously, Anton Hudobin's the answer to the problems? No. The first one, hey, let me ask you this, Steve. Here yeah. we go. January 1st, 2019. St. Louis Blues weren't a very good team, were they? Terrible. They weren't very were they they? terrible. Yeah, I know, I know they were. No, they weren't terrible, Steve. Here's the thing. They weren't terrible. Their goaltending was terrible. That was the problem with the St. Louis Blues. So what ends up happening? Jordan Bennington comes onto the scene. Oh, St. Louis Blues are pretty good. Oh, St. Louis Blues win the Stanley Cup. But on January 1st, everybody thought they were terrible. That's the Edmonton Oilers right now. They're not a terrible team. They're not poorly coached. They got terrible goaltending. So I'm telling you right now, until the goaltending improves and they get, I'd start right with Stuart Skinner. That's where I would start. I'd say, Stuart, you know what? You're better than what we got. Get in there. Let's go. And then I would start exploring other options. And a Anton Hudobin is not an answer. With Anton Hudobin, God bless him what he did in the bubble, but the Oilers wow. would be going would be going home if uh, if it is up to Anton Rudobin. I mean, Jonathan Quick, that's a big ticket. They're going to have to get creative there, and the Kings think that they're in a playoff chase. Marc-Andre Furry might be the easy answer. I heard someone talk about Peter Morazic. I, I I don't understand that right now. Uh, we can look at some of the backups if we want to go back in the – Peter who? Years. Who? Who did you Marazic. say? Peter Morazic? Oh, I yeah, came out of the roller coaster. Yeah, you got to yeah, be right. healthy first. So – uh, well, I'm just throwing healthy. He's a roller coaster goalie. He's up. He's down. Like he's not. He's not consistent. They need a good goaltender. You talk Jonathan Quick. The LA Kings are trading Jonathan Quick to Edmonton. I don't think so. And Peter Morazic's not the answer to the Edmonton Oilers goaltending woes. Mark Andre Fleury. Yeah, I, I love Mark Andre. I think Mark Andre would be a very good one. What about the New York Islanders? Why don't you get started? You got Ilya Sorokin. You got Varlamov. Why don't you start exploring a real goaltender? Okay, then I would then throw out Alexander Georgiev. The Rangers got one, then we have to start looking in that direction. He's not too. as good as Sorokin and Varlamov as me. He's a he's a he's a one B. But you know, so I'm talking about being like everybody wants. Like that's where you go and look. That's where I go and look. Yeah, Sorokin. They're not moving Sorokin. The okay, Rangers. Yeah, but Varlamov. I said that you look at the Islanders who have Sorokin and Varlamov. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, you know what? I, I always hear about who's not being moved. Oh, yeah, Joe Thornton, you're not trading him. Oh, yeah, he's not moving, right? Like Joe Thornton got traded. You know, you know how many players have been traded that I heard wouldn't be traded? Lots. Yeah, I, I know. As soon Islanders as 99 job, traded, explore it. Explore it. Yeah, I, hey, I'm with you. The, the Rangers and Islanders are set, which is Sturkin and Sorokin. So Varlamov intrigues me, right? Then we got to crunch numbers, but where there's a Flurry. will, Islanders' year's over anyway. So. This, I mean, and let's be honest, up to the cap hurts the Islanders, maybe the most. I watched Devontae's in Colorado, and you're like, oh, 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 talk about Olympics. You might have said, like, the Taves and the Pelics are my Bowmeasters, and you're, I mean, going back to, for the kids out there, my Gila Points, my, you know, the guys that you just, the Rod Langways uh, of, of Adam Foote's, Willie Mitchell's the guys that don't get enough credit because a wise man taught me there's two nets and they're each as important. You want to score on one, but you got to defend the other. And sometimes defending the other matters most because it allows you to then transition and, and score at the other end. So 
I mean, the underlying numbers also say the Oilers are getting a lot of chances, not having some puck luck right now. Yeah, the power play is not as good, and maybe they were carried by that earlier. It is an intriguing situation. I love it. I love it. And what Ken Holland does here, you know, if it's a television show, it's all eyes on Ken. You know what I mean? Oh, what does Ken do in this episode? Because the longer he waits, the worse it might get. And then he might miss the playoffs. So I like some of your suggestions. Maybe Varlamov is the best one so far, Craig. Maybe Varlamov is the best option so far. Can I go back to the underlying uh, uh, numbers? Yeah. So, so there's a great example. There's a great example of where you can look and see where the fault. So the underlying numbers, they're getting lots of good chances. Dave Tippett said, you know, our five on five play is improved, right? And 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 there's there's evidence that bears that out, right? So then why aren't they winning? Because the only place they should be looking to improve right now is the goaltending. It's killing them. It's submarining them. That's the problem. That's where everything can come into full view and say, okay, wait a sec. We're getting our chances. We're not scoring. We will score because we've got enough talent. We're better five on five, so we're defending better. So what is our problem? Oh, yeah. The, the guys that wear the pillows. Are right? sleeping. Are sleeping. That's what you, that's what you bloody well need. So, so there, there's how you marry everything. So you don't, you don't panic. You don't sit down and address the wrong thing. You address what needs to be addressed. Steve. They're not going anywhere with that goaltending. Nowhere. And if, you, if they think they are, they're just kidding themselves. And they better they better get a really good, capable goaltender. You don't have to get a, a star because they're not available. But you better identify where you can improve your goaltending and go and do it. That's what you need to do. Time now for KB on Ice. An inside look at the NHL. Brought to you by our friends at Sports Interaction Canada Sportsbook. Yeah, I get it. You're happy. <laughs> you're you're not warming up your hands. You're just saying to yourself, you won on Monday. I get it. Okay, that's fine. Who do you like tonight or going into the weekend? Hey, I'm going right back to the well. And I'm going with the Penguins on back-to-back -back nights. Oh, yeah, against the Flyers. Listen, I'm not buying the Flyers. And, hey, you know, people say back-to-back. -back, Pittsburgh Penguins, really? Yeah, Crosby's on fire. Tristan Jari gets back into the net. And what about the whole thing about a team coming back from a road trip, first home game back? I'm going Penguins all the way. I'm all in on the Pens. Well, I was all in on the Oilers, and boy, that was a colossal <laughs> mistake. You and your Rangers won. So I'm going to take the Flyers for law of averages. The, oh. the big underdogs <laughs> at home. So uh, minus 127, looking at Sports Interaction's website here. So I'm going to take the flyer. So we're going head to head again, and I'm going to throw in Colorado to beat Winnipeg and Nate McKinnon, who's had a good year. He's been banged up and health issues. He's only got three goals. So Colorado wins and Nate McKinnon scores. How about that? Okay. Well, I, I like the Nate McKinnon bet 15 for McCarr, 15 for McCarr, hashtag McCarr 15. Kim McCarr. Oh, wow. We talked about that earlier in the show. What a storyline he's been. So are you also taking the abs or you're just betting McCarr to score? Well, I'm taking the abs at home. Uh, the Jets are a little bit uh, wobbly, uh, you know, against a team like the Colorado Avalanche. And the Avalanche are feeling it. They're feeling it. I can just see that team competing for the Stanley Cup come playoff time. We both like the abs. You got McCarr. I got Nate McKinnon. You got Pittsburgh. I got Philadelphia in the Battle of Pennsylvania. Check out all NHL odds, props, and totals at 
SIA.com. That's SIA.com and sign up today at sportsinteraction.com forward slash cool button pod to place your bet. Sports Interaction is Canada Sportsbook. Mr. Craig Button, the Nashville Predators at press time have played 34 games, 10 games above NHL 500 and are right there at the top. UC Saros. Wow. Almost 930. Philip Forsberg, UFA, one of the biggest mistakes the Capitals probably made, but we've all made a mistake or two in our time. Talked about his goal earlier. I love the guy and maybe a 40 goal, 50 goal score if he had played every game so far this season. Clearly 92 and 95 are playing way better. I didn't know Michael Granlin could be this good. Luke Cunning on the second line. There's a lot to like. However, is this what they really are? Are they a serious divisional contender? It's a tough division. I think they're overachieving right now. Where are you on the Preds? It's, people have said to us, you guys aren't talking about the Preds. You know, but okay, you know what? Um, squeaky wheel gets the oil. You're getting the oil right now in, in cowboy country and country music country. So it, it's fun. They're doing some great things. Yeah, they beat Vegas the other night by hanging on by the hair of their chinny chin chin. But, you know, where are they in the division? And where's Craig Button on buying, selling, or freezing on Preds stock. So, okay, so you've asked me some questions, but I'm going to ask you the, the, the question that needs to be asked. Why do you think they're overachieving? Why do we use the word overachieving? Like, why are they? Because well, did you underestimate them? Did you not think they were this good? So, I'm at, so my question to you is, why do you think they're overachieving? Because on the cool scale, I had them <laughs> out of the playoffs. And I don't like to be embarrassed. So when someone doesn't meet my expectations or oversees them, I have a problem. <laughs> that is the situation. So because I had Colorado and St. Well. Winnipeg and Minnesota and Nashville and Dallas in that order, I don't look for it. You know, and all kidding aside, you know, I just didn't know if 92 and 95 could be as good as they are. And clearly they've been very, very good. Michael Granlin really is the one. Ryan Johansson is the two. I always believed in Philip Forsberg, but I thought that, you know, they signed Eklund and I thought that, uh, um, uh, Matias Ekholm, I mean, and I thought that they would then, you know, move Forsberg at the deadline to the highest bidder, which I guess still could happen, but I, how could you not sign him? Can they go eight, eight and eight on their highest paid players behind Yossi? I don't know, but I think when things don't slot in your mind the way you think, you think, oh, look at the Ducks. Where did I get this wrong? Look at the Preds, and don't get me wrong. I love to be wrong and expect the unexpected. So they can't be better than the Blues and Colorado, but they might be a playoff team. If everyone does well at the same time, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, maybe a one-off season. And maybe last year they were all doing bad at the same time. But I'm going to give Yossi credit. I'm going to give John Hines credit. Um, and I have to give 92 and 95 credit. Like it's, it, and it's not boring. Like it's not, it's not one, nothing hockey, which good for them, you know, good for them, but, but, but they're not first, right? Like they're not going to finish first. Right. No. And, and I love it too. That's what we all do. Right. We go, Oh, I didn't pick that team to make the playoffs. Now they're in the playoffs. Oh, they're overachieving. We, <laughs> we, we use words to say we were wrong, but they're overachieving. <laughs> you know, last year, when you think about the uh, Nashville Predators and, and, they, and they stumbled along, and then all of a sudden, 
they reached the point and they they started to play hard and they and and John Hines said not good enough you guys aren't playing he he really I thought John Hines took control of the team much in the same way Dean Evason took control of the team in uh, Minnesota no you're not good enough Zach Parisi you're a healthy scratch you're not good enough to help us win I don't care what your contract says I think that's exactly what John did he said Ryan Johansson Matt Duchesne you're not playing well enough. You're not getting the same ice time that you got. Sorry, it's not good enough. And that team really pushed. That team really pushed. They pushed their way right into the playoffs last year. Let's keep in mind, they were a playoff team last year. And I think John Hines deserves a tremendous amount of credit. They also made the switch. They went from use, they went from Pecorine into use Soros. Sign them long term. You know, I'm really happy that I had use Soros on my on my uh, uh, all-star ballot for goaltenders. We don't vote on the Vezina, the general managers do, but I had used Soros on my, on my ballot because I thought he was that good. And uh, he didn't end up as a finalist. He should have been. Anyway, Roman Yossi, you know, we talked about defensemen earlier in the show. There's your quartet. Hedman, Yossi, Makar, Fox right now. Carlson would be, would make it the, the fifth guy for me. You know, d- defensemen that really, really control the game and, and impact the game. It's a team that plays hard, Steve. They play hard. They're good defensively. They're smart. They're, they're like they don't beat themselves. Even the game against Vegas, they're up three nothing. Yeah, Vegas. Vegas ends up making that frantic push at the end of a game. How many times have you seen Vegas make these frantic pushes at the end of a game? You know what? I'm sick and tired of Vegas making frantic pushes at the game. You know what? You know who I think is overrated? Vegas. Vegas is overrated. I think they're an underachiever. I think they're an underachiever. Underachiever. Can Jack Eichel solve their problems? I don't know. We're going to wait and see. I want to see how it looks. But I think they're, I think everybody talks about Vegas this, Vegas that. I know they're a good team, but I'm not buying them as Stanley Cup contenders. I'm not buying. I'll wait and see. I think they made a significant move with Jack Eichel. So don't tell me about them hanging on. Oh, because Vegas decided we're going to be frantic at the end of the game. Yeah. Start the game. Play. I don't like the way they, I'm sorry. I'm I'm at. Anyway, Nashville, they deserve love. They got a really good goaltender. They got, I mean, they don't get enough credit for the blue line. They, they, They simply don't get enough credit. I didn't think it could hold up, Craig. I, I, I thought... Why not? I, Why not? Well, two guys you really, really like, and then everyone else, but everyone else has kind of stepped up and done a very good job. And that's where you think, you, how good's Carrier and how good's Fabro when he's in, and Borvietsky or Borvietsky and But but yeah, and, and, and that's, where, that's where you get surprised, because then you think on the bottom end, um, Philip Myers too, and, and Benning, I, I, I guess it's good enough. I mean, clearly two stars and think of what they've gone through and who has left the blue line in the history of predators hockey, right? Like think who's gone. Like we can start naming all the great defensemen and they always seem to have somebody else coming in, but clearly Yossi is the foundational piece on the top pair, uh, at home on the second, and then they've kind of figured out everybody else. And once they lose someone, you wonder, well, can Myers do it or Benning do it or Carrier do it or Favreau do it? I guess when you've got someone, you know, you know, the Pronger Niedermeyer guys with you, <laughs> it makes it easier to play with them. Um, so it, it's a, it's a, it's an intriguing storyline. People said, where's the Preds conversation. And I think that's a pretty good one on, on where they are, but 
I can't leave because you brought up the Vegas situation. Okay. Can, Robin I, Leonard. Can, can yep. I just go back one quickly? Then? Yeah. Where would the Edmonton Oilers be if they had used Sarles? First place. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Here we are. We're back to the Oilers. Goaltending. Yeah. Like, seriously. Don't look at anything else. Till that gets addressed. Do you believe in Robin Leonard? Do I believe in Robin Leonard? Yeah, I believe in Robin Leonard. I don't think the problem is Robin Leonard. What's the problem? I don't think they get down and dirty and gritty. I think they want it easy. I think they play outside hockey. I don't think they hunt pucks in and around the net. I don't think they play inside the dots. I think when teams defend hard against them, they have a tough time. That's not the recipe for playoff success. That's what I'm saying. So it had nothing to do with Leonard. It had to do with their approach to playing. Well, as you and I analyzed and have so many finals, of which many are still on uh, YouTube for your uh, video enjoyment, <laughs> Vegas learned from the Capitals as the Capitals learned in losing to Pittsburgh. And the Capitals got inside the dots and dirty in 2018. And the Blues got dirty in 2019. We can go over the deep three-line penguins. We can talk about it all. And I think how Vegas and Colorado play out in the West is, in, is as intriguing as anyone. Like Chandler Stevenson's had a great year. The way Kadri's had a great year. The way William Nylander, they all deserve their own love in their own certain way. But the, but the, the frayed logic of saying when Jack comes back, Stevenson stays. Now, I like Chandler Stevenson. But are you not Eichel one, the expansion line, 71-2, and then Stevenson three? Isn't that the best thing for Vegas hockey? Or do you say, wait a minute, the math has to add up. We don't know who's leaving. Like, someone's got to leave, right? Someone's got to leave unless Pacioretty is going to be the next Kucherov. I've crunched some numbers. I got no idea how it works. I, I, I've read articles. I've looked at different things. Imagine if you're in there and if you're Riley Smith and you're thinking, after all this, I got to go if it's him or if they got to get rid of Stevenson, the Danov, you know, like mix and match pieces. Like, you know what I mean? Like the wheel of fortune when they're buying at the end of the show, it's like, how much more money do I have to spend? Oh, I'll buy this, this, and a gift certificate. Like is Vegas going to go and we'll play five defensemen in the last month of the season. Like, I don't know, but that's clearly got to weigh on your mind. Like that, if you, that's kind of like the, you know, the, the cloud over you that says, oh, Imagine if it's me, it, does Marcia still think it could be him or Riley Smith? Like that's got a way on your mind, Craig. Sure it does. And, 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 and again, you, you go through it. Right. And do, do, do you remember the San Diego chargers with Don Coriel? Yes. You remember what that they called the, the team? Air Coriel. Right. That's who I think the Vegas Golden Knights are. Oh, good enough to entertain. Good enough to be thought as a contender, but no. They're like that souffle that you're hoping will rise, and it never does. We got a phone call. You know what it is? Nope. Shane Knighty. He's calling us right now. He's Shane can call me all he wants. Shane would have a field day defending against that team. Well, it's it's an intriguing storyline, and I mentioned some of those guys. I mean, who's surprised? Huberto can't surprise you the most. He's third in scoring, but is, is it is it Kadri? I mean, Stammer's healthy. There's a lot of guys who are making you go. Evan Rodriguez. I love it. I love it that guys say, oh, you think I'm just this and what Stevenson's done. Maybe Kadri's is the, 
is the most important. Um, I don't know. I just love it. I love when you sit there and say, good for them. Like, good. You're going to typecast me. I'm a, I'm a Shakespearean actor. I can do comedy <laughs> as well. So good for all the guys that I mentioned, but the Stevenson storyline, you're going to agree with me on that. Like Stevenson's he's going down in the order. Well, he should, in my view, if, that, if I'm looking at it, Chandler was a, was a good player for the Caps when they won the Stanley Cup. That was a really good trade by, by Kelly McCrimmon getting Chandler Stevenson. I remember at the time, and I said it, I'm not here, I'm, I'm not revisionist history here. I said at the time, you know, that was exactly the type of player the Montreal Canadiens should have been going after at that time. Again, uh-huh. you know, Steve, like, you, you, you know, I hear, oh, it's so hard to make a trade. It's hard to make a trade. This, 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 this hard uh, job that I have sponsored by Kleenex because it's hard to make a trade in the NHL. I get so sick. It's your job. I'm not saying it's easy. Okay. But like, don't whine about it and cry about it. I hate it. Anyway. Big, I, I don't surprise Steve. We talk about it. I think Nazem Kadri has had a fantastic season and it comes on the heels of the six game suspension in the playoffs last year, his third one in the playoffs. I love Naz. I love Naz. I, I know he gets mad at me when I, when I, when I shake my head and I go, I can't believe you did that again, <laughs> but that's okay. Naz wears his uh, heart on a sleeve and, 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 and I, I, I do, I love the way he plays. I thought it was a great trade when they made it. I thought it backed up McKinnon and gave him a one, two. And for him to come back and play the way he, like Nas, Nas is, he's always going to be edgy. I love that part about his game, but you know, the, you got to stay within the confines of the rules and not hurt your team. And in Toronto, I get what he's doing. He's sticking up. He's he, he, the emotions take over, but it ends up hurting your team. Nas is only helping his team now. And uh, you know, you, you watch the skill, you watch the, the edge, you watch the, the ability. Remember McKinnon was out for a stretch. And how about this one? How about, how about, how about when they brought him up in Toronto and Ron Wilson says, you're going to play third line right wing. Yeah. I'm not so sure Naz is ready. Yeah. Not as a third line right winger. You don't think coaches can have an effect on how players play. Give me a break. Naz third line, right winger. Then you're mad at him. Want to hear a good story? Yes. Naz? I got one too. So to, well, a story each to close. And we haven't talked about the word all day, which is great. Well, we were talking about Nashville earlier, right? Shea Weber was playing in Nashville. So Naz gets called up to play in Toronto. And so Mark Hunter, who was with, who, who was in London, says to Naz, he's talking, he goes, hey, Naz, listen, just go play, enjoy, right? Don't, don't be trying to do things like, don't be fancy out there. Don't think what you did in junior, you're going to be able to do in the NHL. Naz goes, oh, I know, I know, it's just a thrill. So he gets up playing. So he tries to toe drag Shea Weber. Tries to give him the whole big toe drag. Then Weber breaks it up, goes the other way. They score. So day later, a couple days later, Mark's talking to Nas. And Mark says, Nas, I told you. He says, like, and you're going to try to toe drag Shea Weber? And Nas says to Mark, he goes, hey, Hunts. He said, imagine if I did toe drag him. It would have been highlight of the night on TSN for, for, for days. <laughs> That's Naz. That's what you love about him. <laughs> yeah. Well, Weber was involved in a pretty big trade, right? And you talk about find a way to make a trade. We were on the desk at the score. It was me, Ludzi and Al Strachan. And of course, Al's Mr. PA didn't like the cap and all that kind of stuff. And he, he's spitting out the words that will never see any trades. 
This is in November of 05. We won't see any trades. Trading is dead in the NHL by his words as we're sitting on the desk. And it's, this is literally November 30th, 2005. As he's spitting it out, it comes across the wire. But Joe Thornton has been traded <laughs> from the Boston Bruins to the San Jose Lundy <laughs> looks at Strack and he says, Whoa, that's a pretty big trade, Strack. Uh, we laughed and we laughed. Weber got traded. PK, we could go. We've had trades. We can yeah. still trade. Where there's a will, there's a way. So as we say on the clock, I guess your friend Ken Holland is on the trade clock. It goes TikTok to find a goalie. I loved your rant, Craig. That's a beauty. <laughs> I have a feeling that's going to find its way through the socials. What do you think? Oh, that's okay. That's what I feel. <laughs> I wear my heart on my sleeve, too. <laughs> awesome stuff. Oh, this was a lot of fun. Sadly, episode 28 of the Cool Button Podcast is drawn to a close. Happily, there'll be millions more. We'll see you on number 29. Go Flyers. And Nate, I need a goal. Sports Interaction, Canada Sportsbook. Sportsbook.